In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. The gospel begins with Jesus giving us a story of a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had everything good in life, and a poor man who was lying at his door, starving. The rich man had so much to give, and yet he goes about his life not even looking at this poor man, Lazarus. They both die. The rich man goes to hell, and Lazarus goes to heaven. And the rich man sees Lazarus, and he sees his own state in hell, and he regrets. He says to himself, if only I knew, if only I knew the consequences of not being generous with what I had. Jesus gives us a great commandment, the commandment of love. And love has a quality of forgetting oneself. Love is all about the other. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not seek its own interest. The rich man was selfish. He only cared of himself. He didn't even see the poor man day after day starving. Have you ever regretted being generous? If you look back at all the times you've been generous, did you ever regret it? Never. Because when you're generous... Of course, it's good for the person that you gave to, but it's also good for your own soul. That light comes into your soul. Love enters your soul. Family, without love, without us acting in love, our hearts, our minds, we're dark. And it's like this rich man who isolated himself from the care of Lazarus. Family, it's all about love. It's all about giving. St. Francis says, say this with me, it's in giving that we receive. Recognize that reality. It's that when I give, I actually receive. So I have no doubt you, I pray, have never regretted being generous. But this rich man, he finds himself in hell and he regrets, if only I knew. And so he says to he says to Father Abraham, send, send, uh, send someone. Tell Lazarus to tell my brothers so that they also don't regret. Family, someone has risen from the dead. His name is Jesus. Let us not regret. He's with us. And he gives us a commandment to love, to forget ourselves, to not be so selfish, to see those around us who need help. Now, here's a good transition. Who do we love the most? Jesus, Habibi. <laughs> okay, if you think, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's awesome. That means he's paying attention, dude. That's a good, that's the good part, you know? <laughs> that's what I take from that. All right. Parents, who do you love the most? You would probably say right away, your children. I love my children the most. St. Paul says, I will not be a burden, for I want not what is yours, I want you. And so then he continues and says, children ought not to save for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent for your sakes. Parents, you know this. Everything you have is not yours. It's your children's. And you will spend, you will give everything for them. I think of myself as a priest. I mean, 
anytime I think I have something that's mine, it's like, chill out. You know, I got to tell myself, it's not yours. It's for your children. You're meant to give, but it's in, it's in giving that you receive. So when we give family, how much do we get back? But again, we do everything for our children. And Jesus said today, right after the story of the rich man and Lazarus, he goes into this, things that cause sin will inevitably happen. We know that temptation is all around us. But woe to that person through whom they occur. He says, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea than he says, listen, than to cause one of these little ones to sin. Jesus cares about the little ones. He cares, like us, about our children who are defenseless, who don't know better. The culture, particularly in our schools, as our kids go back to school, is increasingly hostile to Christian values, to teaching our kids the truth and the right way about their identity and about how they're called to live as Christians. We don't want to regret and say, I should have done more. Let's not be like this rich man and say, I should have done that. That's why this past Wednesday, did we have any parents here this past Wednesday? You raise your hand, parents. This past Wednesday, we had an awesome event called Families in Harmony, where Bishop Francis, Father Fawaz, and a, a few speakers spoke to parents about their rights in schools, how they can be active in their schools, how, how they can be active in their school districts, and how the church seeks to support parents by being a safe haven for our children. Family, we have so much in this church. Thank you, Jesus. Catechism, communion, of course, 600 kids, no big deal. We've got middle school girls, middle school boys, high school. There's a lot going on. But from that event this past Wednesday, I, took, I had a takeaway that I really, yeah. As much as the church tries to do with all of our programs, the most important place our children learn and grow is in the home. We know that. And Jesus says throughout the gospel, say this with me, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I'm going to say that again. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so if a house is, if a home is meant to be a secure place for children, there must be unity. There cannot be division, particularly between husband and wife. They have to be one. Moms and dads call me and they say that they need help with their children. Maybe their children are smoking weed or vaping. Maybe their children are dressing immodestly or sending bad pictures or performing lustful actions. Their children are disobedient or they're isolating themselves or they seem depressed. Parents don't know what to do. And oftentimes, it's either the mom or the dad that's calling. I rarely get both mom and dad coming together to the office or calling together with one on the line and the other right next to them. Most of the time, it's just mom or it's just dad. And so I'll ask the question, let's say to the mom, where's your husband in this? Or where's your wife in all this? Is there unity in your home 
as it relates to your parenting. Because Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. So let's give a few examples. This is going to be fun. To the kids, you might not like me after this. Let's say a young girl, let's say she's 15. A young girl has a boyfriend. Ooh. Say ooh. Oh. Okay. Very common, right? Sadly, it's very common. The daughter tells her mom, right? Because, you know, daughter, mom, okay. What about the dad? The daughter and the mom hide the truth from the dad because the mom cannot tell her daughter. Because, oh, I want my daughter to trust me. But I can't tell her dad. Jesus says, a house divided cannot stand. Of course, what do we do in that situation, though? Of course, we want the daughter to be comfortable to come to mom. Okay. But what we're teaching the daughter is that it's okay. It's okay that me and your dad are not united. It's okay. The reality is, though, the young girl, 15, 16 years old, shouldn't be dating. And the, and the dad, you know, he might be old-fashioned, but the dad has every right to that opinion. The dad, that's her, that's her dad. And the dad should be allowed to say, this is wrong. Now, if she's 22 years old and the dad is too much, okay, I get it, right? Hassa. Like, let her, you know. But 16, 15, 16 years old. A house divided cannot stand. So what do we do in that situation? Another example. Let's say we have a 16-year-old boy. Very common. He goes to his mom and he's like, I want to hang out with my friends. And his mom says, okay, you have to be home by 9 o'clock. Because if he's not home by 9 o'clock, tell me what good happens after 9? Nothing. Nothing good happens at night. I want to go out. Mom says, be home by 9 o'clock. He goes to his dad, and he's like, Dad, Mom said 9 o'clock. This is annoying. And the dad says, it's okay, Baroni. You can be home at midnight. What's happening? Okay. Mom and dad are not consulting with each other, and they're not saying, let's be on the same page. A house divided cannot stand. When I was a kid growing up, I was like, I want to sleep over at my friend's house. I go to my mom. My mom says, of course not. I go to my dad. He goes, sure, ask your mom. And I said, mom, dad said, okay. A house divided cannot stand. To parents, what should you do when you disagree? People say all the time, what's the most important thing in a relationship? They say communication, right? Communication? What if communication is all yelling? What if communication is all fighting? In my opinion, communication is not the most important thing in a relationship. Obviously, we need to talk. But more important than communication is understanding. Because oftentimes, we communicate, we communicate, we communicate, and nothing is getting through that person. We're not understanding each other, and so we communicate, but we feel misunderstood. We don't understand the person, and we're like, that was worse. We need to understand. And the key to understanding is to try to understand, to value the person's opinion, to respect, for husband and wife, to respect the opinion of the other and to seek understanding. You're never going to have full understanding. We're different. We're different people. And yet, St. Paul says in Philippians 2, to be of the same mind. 
Husband and wife, same mind. Work together. The second thing I think we need to do is when we disagree, we need to take a step back from the disagreement. Just take a step back and be like, let's remember we're on the same team. Husband and wife on the same team. We're on the same mission. And our mission is to get our family to heaven. When we can be united in mission, then we'll, then we'll, we'll be okay. We'll work towards some agreement, some compromise. So family, whatever advice we give as priests, it's not going to work unless you have unity in your family. Because a house divided cannot stand. These types of disagreements don't just happen in married couples. They happen in all relationships. They also happen with priests. What's the one of the ugliest things you've seen in the church? The ugliest, most, like, why do I go to church and listen to the priest when he does the opposite? Is when you see a priest fighting with another priest, when you see bishops fighting, when you see the patriarch and bishops and priests all fighting each other, you look at us and you say, why should I listen to them? A house divided cannot stand. Especially one of the ugliest things is to see a priest talk about another priest in the middle of a homily. What? When mom and dad fight in front of the kids, what are we showing them? A house divided cannot stand. And when priests, bishops, patriarchs, when we fight against each other, we're weak. When husband and wife are divided and they fight against each other and they don't realize we're on the same mission, we're, ha- we have the- we're on the same team. When that's the reality, Jesus said today, things that cause sin are going to happen. That means we're under attack. There's a war being waged against us. There can only be strength in unity. Come back together. Be strong together. Today, Jesus tells us to forgive. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebu- sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he wrongs you seven times, forgive him seven times. So parents, husband and wife, maybe you need to say sorry and maybe you need to forgive each other. Come back into unity. And the apostles end, the the gospel ends today with this powerful prayer. The apostles recognize how hard it is to forgive sometimes. And they say, increase our faith. It's like they're screaming to Jesus and they're saying, Lord, this is hard. Increase our faith. Help us. And so that's how I want us to end. Increase our faith, Lord. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. There is no obstacle between us and the love of God and loving others. Family, let's not be like this rich man who regretted He had this time in his life. Let's not regret. Let's do what we have to do for our children, for our community. Amen?